Well, this morning, I love the last song we sang, King Jesus. It just, it is exactly what, it's so funny because we don't actually always talk about what's being preached and things like that beforehand. And so when you see the flow of service, obviously we plan, but some of the finer details or the, some of these things, God just works out. And that song actually directly is exactly what we're talking about. Our hearts are contended spaces. These are spaces, this is the most contended space on the universe, is the hearts of humans. Isn't that incredible? That we see wars all over, but the war that is actually going on is our allegiance. Who, who will we follow? Who will we choose to submit to and align with? Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible that your life, your allegiance matters? It matters. Well, I wanted to uh, just start off by praying, and then we'll dive in. Father God, you are absolutely amazing, awesome, Lord of all. And God, I thank you that you see us as individuals, and you desire to lead us in the way everlasting. You desire to have us a part of your kingdom. You desire to give us life and peace abundantly. And God, We just have to come and say, you're Lord. And all that is extended to us. We just have to allow you to be Lord and leader. And so, God, this morning, I just pray that you would lead us today, that you would lead my words today. Holy Spirit, I I just pray that you would do the work that you want to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for those of you, probably many of you don't know that I spent uh, about six months in India when I was 21. And I really enjoyed it there. I thought it was such a fantastic place. I I love India. It actually has a part of my heart. And uh, when I was there, I was helping to set up a youth with a mission school or base there. And uh, while I was there, I got to see different temples and stuff like that uh, of different, different religions. And one of the temples I went into was a Hindu or a saw, was a Hindu temple. And I, you know, I was with a religious leader, like one of my uh, church leaders that was leading us, and, and I was struck by, I saw in one of the rooms, there was lots of open, like you could see in, I saw in one of the rooms, the walls were lined with like the just framed pictures of the deities that they, they worshipped. And there's hundreds, thousands of deities that they, they worship within the Hindu religion. And, and I was struck I was struck by the fact that Jesus was one of the framed pictures on the wall. And I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? Jesus. And so this church leader told me that, for some, Jesus is one of the deities that they would worship. And that actually, um, within the church there, one of the concerning things that was happening is that some of the churches were also welcoming in other deities into their churches. They They were putting in idols of other gods along with Jesus. And so obviously, I I was surprised, and this was concerning to the church leaders there. And I think for us, you know, we find this surprising and even hard to imagine, right? Those of us who who grew up here or who, who this is our culture, that's not a part of our culture. This isn't something we're used to. And yet, if we take a step back, you know, we sometimes are not that far from doing the same thing in our own lives, of letting in something that doesn't belong. You know, we can easily fall into the same kinds of traps. It's just different packaging. 
right? It's different packaging. Sometimes we allow Jesus to become an option rather than the option. And this is, this is, this is the contended spaces of our hearts. Jesus isn't an option. He is the option. You know, and, and we want to have both. You know, we want to have him as like this headshot on our wall alongside other things we use to lead us in life or make us feel better or give us confidence or strength or, or provide for us. We want to kind of be able to have both sometimes, right? And we may not label these things as gods in our life. We may not say, this is, this is my God that I worship, but we give them God-like status in our life where they get to tell us how to live and tell us how things are going to go and tell us how good we're doing today or tell us how secure we are when really Jesus is the only one who should be telling us these things. Jesus is the only way. He is the only one deserving of praise. He is not an option. He is the only option. And today we're going to spend some time in the book of Colossians, which speaks kind of around this same idea. Colossians is a book. We're kind of working our way through. If you're just joining us, we're working our way through the Bible. We're currently in the epistles, and Colossians is actually a letter. We've been kind of going through the letters. Jeff talked about several different letters already that Paul wrote. And this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae while he was imprisoned in Rome. And Colossae is a small, prosperous city about 120 miles east of Ephesus, which disappeared actually shortly after he wrote this letter. Paul had never been there, but he actually had a friend who was from there named Epaphras. So we're going to be reading, if you're following along at Heartstrong, we're going to be reading Colossians this coming week. And so this is who is to. So Epaphras... Uh, he was from there, and he had brought the gospel there. And so there was a church that had started there. And he had been telling Paul about this church and how faithful they were and how wonderful they were, but also some of the challenges they were facing. And so we are going to read or talk through why Paul wrote this letter. And the reason he wrote this letter, and isn't it incredible that Paul loved the church? He didn't just care for the ones he started. He cared for the ones who were also started by other people, the whole body. I just thought that was so awesome. So anyways, the Colossians were encountering two challenges, okay? And this is why he wrote this letter. The first challenge was this. They were becoming influenced by current cultural philosophies and spirituality instead of sticking just to Christ. So as they were continuing on in their journey, this was starting to seep in to the church, just what was in the culture, what they had come out of. Okay, and then the second challenge was that the church was being pulled, pulled into honoring religious traditions that were once required to be strictly adhered to by the Jewish people, but because of Christ, the Gentiles didn't actually need to follow these things. And so these were the two things that were going on that Paul is going to talk to the Colossians. And I think uh, these problems pulled together means that the church was being pressed from the outside, but also from the inside, pressed on the outside from the culture trying to kind of seep its way in, and and from the inside by disagreements around tradition. And don't we kind of relate to this? Isn't this still continuing on in our journey? You know, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? Culture trying to press in and seep in and reshape Jesus into a form that fits according to the standards and spirituality that we currently live in all around us. 
we constantly see that it's trying to come in the cracks, and we have to guard our hearts. And also the legalism pulling for an exclusive and judgmental works-based or works-oriented religion. These two things are constant tensions in the church. And I think that we can still see, even after all these years, even with this written and read by Christians years after years, we still see that this is the battle going on. Our allegiance to King Jesus. So a Colossians addresses how to handle both pressure problems, which really press at the same question. What in life surpasses all else? What in life surpasses all else? Who is above everything? That's right, Jesus. What gets to tell us then what is true and how to live? Jesus. That's right. We say it, but I think if we look in our hearts, we can feel those things pull at us. Religion, you're right, that, that like strict, oh, you have to do it this way. And then also the world trying to allure us to let things in. These things are constant battles. So let's read in Colossians 1, 15 to 20, what Paul has to say. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. By the way, I love this piece of scripture. I love this piece of scripture. Actually, Colossians. The more I read it, the longer, the more I love it. You should just dive into it this week and read it. Anyways, so he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on, on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross." How incredible is that? I feel like you just read it over and over. It just stirs something up in us, doesn't it? Jesus is first and foremost. It says in here that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know God, look at Jesus. Get into the Bible. Who is Jesus? How did he treat people? What was he like? And in this scripture, the Greek word, and I'm sorry if I don't say this right, but icon, was used here, which means something deeper than just what the eye can't see. It's, it's deeper than just visible or invisible. It means the unknowable, the unknowable God. So you could almost say, you know, um, that he is the no, he's made known. Jesus is God made known for an unknowable God. Before Jesus came, we couldn't really know what God was like fully. But Jesus came and showed us who he was. Secondly, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, declaring his authority over all creation. So ancient rabbis used this term as a messianic title. Before Jesus came, he was known as the firstborn of all creation, declaring his authority over everything. There's nothing he doesn't have authority over from beginning to end. Total supremacy. Not only did creation start with him, it is sustained by him. 
And the universe was created to be Christ-centric. It was created to have a dependency on him. Its permanence rests on Christ. It rests on Christ. Jesus rules over everything. His work on the cross reconciles everything. He's the start, he's the finish, and he's everything in between. Once we understand that Christ is the head, this is what brings peace and order. It clearly addresses everything else. Once you put that there, it just starts to filter everything. Paul writes to the Colossian church saying this, if Jesus isn't on top, if he isn't our most high affection, if he doesn't surpass all else, then we have a problem. It doesn't matter what your problem is. Like, we have to filter it through that space. Is Jesus most high? If not, let's address that. We can look at even the simplest of things. Let's look at compassion, for example. Compassion is an excellent example. It's an emotion given to us by God. It's a good emotion. Compassion is something God wants us to have. But there is a place where compassion can also lead us to compromise our convictions. When it's not submitted and surrendered to Christ, it can lead us to enable people. It can lead us to coddle people who need to grow up. It can, it can cause us to, to not have proper boundaries, to leave room for manipulation and power-hungry people to come in. It can leave room for abuse. But God created compassion. So what's the key? The key is submission to Christ. Compassion without Christ as the head leads to things being out of order. The point isn't to be less compassionate, but to ensure that we do what the scriptures teach, to put Jesus at the head and let him lead how to handle this feeling and use it well. So again, from honesty, I want you to take a moment and ask, what in life surpasses all else in my heart? What am I placing? What am I honoring as most high? And a couple good questions to ask yourself when you're looking at this is this. What is driving the decisions, impulses, or habits that you have, or anything else? What is the driver behind what you're doing? Is it relationships, or finances, or security, organizations, or teams, comfort? Is it avoiding conflict? Maybe specific teachings that, you're, that you just, you know, maybe there's a specific leader you just want to follow. But is that surpassing God's place? Is that driving you? Or is it just there as a part of your life? Another question you can ask is, what am I putting my trust in? What am I looking for provision or healing or security or identity from? I ask myself these questions frequently. When I find myself feeling out of sorts, and I start asking these questions, usually something surfaces that I'm starting to lean on or rely on. And this can be anything from things like familiar spirituality, crystals or horoscopes, things that we lean into that we should not have in our lives. As Christians, these things are not from God. 
So maybe we're allowing this to come in. It's, it's very normal. People talk about their horoscopes all the time, but the thing is, that means we're looking to something else to lead us, to tell us how our day is going, who we are, how to meet people, whether or not it's a good day. Only God gets to tell us that. You know, or maybe we're, we're looking to crystals like as like a, a security blanket. Maybe this is something that once was used. This is not from God. A crystal is nothing. It's, it's just an object. But if we look at it to rely on it, to bring healing to our lives or, or safety to our home or something like that, then it is, we're giving it a power that only belongs to God. Don't let it seep in. Maybe, maybe it's financial security. That's a big one for a lot of us. It tells us if we're having a good or bad day, if life is going well. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's having possible outcomes all accounted for or control. You know, or my five-year plan or perfectionism or even just being busy. At the end of the day, only God belongs there. So I want you to pause for just one second. We're going to do this now and then at the end and just start asking the Holy Spirit, Is there something I'm letting have lordship that should not have lordship? Is there something I'm allowing to be preeminent, to be supreme in my life that shouldn't be there? So just take a moment and start asking those questions. Clarity. And honesty here is critical if you want to move forward. Sometimes it's hard to look at these things and be honest with ourselves for a variety of reasons. But if you want to move forward in your relationship with Christ, you have to be honest. You have to be honest with yourself and with God. Once we have that clarity, we can actually address the individual problems, starting with what happens when the church is more influenced by current philosophies than Christ. So let's read this piece of scripture in Colossians 2, 6 to 8. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, See to it that no one takes you captive in philosophy or empty deceit according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. Walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in faith. The world, the enemy of our souls, our flesh, they all want to believe that we can have both. That we can have some of this and some of that and Christ. But at the end of the day, that's a lie. That's a lie. It's only Christ. Christ alone. King Jesus. That's it. If you notice, it doesn't say here to receive and walk in and be built up in what Jesus looks like in some brand new revolution. Revolution, no. Revelation. That, that somebody else has had or that I'm having. That's outside the context of the word. God will give us deeper understanding and clearer understanding of the word. But as you grow, be warned. One of the things that Paul is warning here is to not just let people come in and be like, I have some 
new revelation about Jesus. I have some brand new understanding about who he was and then tell you stuff that doesn't align with the word. That is not from God. And so I just wanted to take a moment and touch on that because I think, you know, if, as we're paying attention, you can see that that happens. That is happening. Oh, Jesus is like this. Oh, the word is, is good only to hear. The, the Bible is just a suggestion. No, no. The word of God is our boundaries. It's our boundaries. And so if somebody comes, or even you, as you start, like, leaning into Christ, if you're having thoughts that deviate from the word, it's not God. Okay? Stick to the word. God gave it to us as a gift to show us the boundaries of how he works, to show us who he is. Colossians teaches us to be on our guard against empty deceit. Or in Ephesians, it says to watch for those speaking empty words. Or Jesus says not to follow blind guides. And this is what he's speaking about. People who are deviating from God, who are just trying to make it nice for us or something different than the way God works. We need to learn Wisdom from past mistakes in history, not to just follow teachings and ideas that feel good or fit culturally, but rather we need to align with the word of God. And Colossians says there is a cultural deception that if these philosophies surpass or take preeminence in our lives, they can uproot us from Christ. They'll take us on a totally different path. That's why Paul says don't go there. Don't, don't let this in because it'll literally just take you away from Christ. The thing is, these things start to water down the gospel. They water it down. They take away from the core of what we're believing in. And the gospel of Christ is Christ alone, not Christ and. Our salvation, identity, and provision and leadership all comes only from Christ. And when we choose to follow him, we are choosing to leave everything else behind. Everything, everything is in his control. So we need to look at the word, and, the, and it says in there, I'm just going to highlight a little piece of the scripture that we just read, to receive from, walk in, root, and be built up in Jesus looks like being established in the faith as you were taught. It looks like listening to the boundaries of the word of God. It looks like stay here. And so we need to look at the word and have good foundational teaching. This is a part of how we stay rooted and anchored in Christ. This is how we make sure he keeps staying at the head and we're not getting deviated. This gives us the boundaries and understanding for aligning with God. And it shows us what is cultural or man-made philosophy that will mislead us. It gives us that clarity. We need the truths of the Bible that we hold dear. These keep us on the straight and narrow, and God expects us to look at his word and and keep it. As we read Colossians, we can see, though, that this this has a tension to it as well, one that we feel currently, and I alluded to it earlier. In working to keep these truths in front of us, sometimes we hold on to and push on others traditions and practices that were set up and meant for a season or a specific group of people or a specific issue you know, that are no longer effective or necessary. Sometimes we want to take what was made to help us learn these truths, to help us stick to these truths in a season or for a specific group of people, 
things that we've created, programs or, or, or ways of doing things that lead us to this, but we're for a season. We want to make them sacred sometimes, don't we? We want to make them what we cling to rather than Christ. And this is the other tension that they were facing, is making something like immovable that, that wasn't Christ. And so here, here is where we're going to look at the next part, where they were struggling with, from within, where religious leaders were trying to say, okay, you have to do it this way. You have to do it this way because this is the way that you find salvation, not centering on Christ, but it was other practices. You know, these things go from obedience to God. In seasons, God will ask us to do certain things in order to establish principles in our lives. And they go from sometimes obedience to God to being binding and legalistic religion. If we don't realize that there's a deeper thing that God is doing in the practice, if we hold on to the practices and try to apply it everywhere at all times, no matter what, and say, this is what we hang on to, not Christ, we start to miss the point. If we elevate these things above Christ, if we bring our security and our identity and our redemption and our provision into that space instead of Christ, we start missing it and are led astray again. And the Jewish leaders in Colossae, they were trying to impose Old Testament traditions and religious practices on the church that were no longer necessary because of the work of Christ. Because Christ had died. He had finished the work. So Paul specifically gives the example of circumcision. And I know we've kind of been here before in previous letters. The Jewish believers in Christ's circumcision, it was a command. It was a command that they had had from God. And it was within their traditions and within, within their culture. It was something that was put in place to point to what God was going to do in the hearts of man through Christ. In the Old Testament, God set up all these things to point to Christ. Right? But the Jewish people, once Christ had come and accomplished the work, they kept holding on to the old and trying to push it into the new instead of seeing that the deeper work of Christ had accomplished what, Christ, what God was pointing to. It was not there merely for them to have a hoop to jump through. Circumcision and, and the practices that they had in the Old Testament, it wasn't just, okay, do this, and here's another hoop, and then jump through this hoop, and finally you'll get to the end of this race, and it'll be done. No, it was all meant to point to Christ as Savior and what he was going to do in our lives. And in, the, in Colossians, it talks about how Christ is the fulfillment of this symbolic command. He was the fulfillment of, of what circumcision was pointing to. So for the Gentile believers in Christ, circumcision was not required. It wasn't necessary because they had, what he said, their hearts circumcised because Christ had come in and done the work. So as followers of Christ, we feel this tension how do we resist the world's pull to adopt the cultural norms, right? How do we resist this without implementing man-made legalistic control, right? How do, we, how do we allow God to give us ways of handling keeping things out of our lives without making it, well, this is how you do it forever? How you do that is make Christ Lord all the time. 
you keep him preeminent, not the rules, and not, not pleasing all the people around you. Him preeminent. How does Apostle Paul manage this tension? He points to Jesus, who didn't abolish the law, but fulfilled it. To the Gentile believers in the church, Paul says two things. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. This is Colossians 2, 11 to 12. So here he's saying, you were dead. You were dead in your sin. You were lost. But you are now alive in Christ. Your hearts have been circumcised. That old has been taken off. He affirms who they are and what Christ has done. But then he says in Colossians 3, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And it goes on in Colossians 3 to say, set your minds on the things above, put to death what is earthly in you. So keeping Christ Lord means we have to practice keeping our minds on the things above. We have to practice taking off what doesn't belong anymore. It's not just like a moment, though there is a moment of surrender to Christ, but it is a daily practice of saying, Lord, I stay focused on you and the things of you. And I'm going to put off what doesn't belong. I'm going to daily just put it off. We don't need to build up fences. We have to keep practicing taking off what doesn't belong. And this is what will keep our hearts in the place that they should be before God and our minds filled with the things of God rather than swirling with just everything, anxiety, fear, thoughts we don't want to have. If we're fixating on Christ, nothing else can have room to stay. It's pushed out. It tries to get in. But it's pushed right back out because we're like, oh, you don't belong here with Christ. We don't want you in here with Christ. The daily practice, the daily walk, this, this is what will keep the other things out. So we put off by putting better things on. The fruit of doing this is the peace of Christ ruling our hearts. Who wants the peace of Christ? I do. Who wants to be free from anxiety and burden and fear and addiction and wrestle? And we will have to wrestle, actually. We'll have to wrestle a lot of times, mostly with our own flesh. That leans in that direction. It's always like, please, this is the easier way. Please. We have to say no, because actually this is the peace way. This is the way that I can breathe. This is the way that I have life. I don't feel like I'm withering up on the inside. Having Christ as Lord. 
It says in Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. There is one point. Keep the word of God in you all the time. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This little piece of scripture here is such a great little piece of scripture. If you take this and put it into practice, you'll be amazed at how you are transformed. If you choose to fill yourself with the word of God, to admonish and encourage each other and live in peace with one another and be filled with thankfulness and gratitude to God, just imagine how we are transformed if we live like that daily. And it's a practice. We have to keep doing it, but it will change us. It will change us. So set Jesus as Lord. With Jesus Lord, walk in, root, and be built up in Christ with one another. And don't be formed to the emptiness of this culture. Don't be like pushed down by like religious rules. It's about something so much deeper than that. We need boundaries. We need God to say, okay, you shouldn't be doing this. But it shouldn't be about like a clamp on us, but about actually being able to throw off those things that hold us about throwing off those things that we feel so tangled up in and we can't shake of this world. So what in life surpasses all else? Christ alone. If it isn't Christ, this is a problem. It's going to be a problem. If you want peace, if you want freedom, if Christ isn't surpassing all else, you're not going to see it fully in your life. We need to make him Lord of all. We need to make him Lord of all. So let's just pause for one second, and then I'll close in prayer. And ask the Lord to search us. Is there any area? And sometimes, you know what? It's just an area. Maybe it's our past. Maybe it's something we just want to hang on to, a habit. Maybe it's something we find security in, like our finances or having a partner or whatever that we need to let go and open our hands to God with. So let's just pause with this. Holy Spirit, search us. Reveal reveal where we are letting something else have too much authority in our lives. Because... You surpass all, God. Now I want to encourage you. There's something that came to mind. then I want you, 
You have to make a choice. Obviously, your choice, don't do it for me, do it for you, to bring that to the Lord and choose to say, God. And if you don't know how to open your hands, something I say is, God, help me. Help me to let go of this. Help me to put you as Lord over this. Help me. So let's bring this to God. And you can choose. If you're not ready, that's okay. You can choose not to. But let's bring it to the Lord. And maybe it's just surrendering your life to him right now. Maybe you've never made him Lord of your life. So let's take a moment and do this, Lord. Lord, we bring to you our lives. And Lord, for some of us, maybe it's just something we've tucked away and we've asked you not to touch. Or maybe we didn't even realize that we were letting something else have lordship in our life. But God, we just open our hands to you and we choose to make you king supreme over every area of our life, Lord. We give you this thing. And Lord, I just, for those who don't have you as Lord God, right now, if they want to, I pray that they just say to you, God, you're Lord. I want to follow you. I believe in you. I need you. God, we trust you with our past our future, and our right now. You are enough, more than enough. We were created to be dependent on you. We were created to need you. So we choose to align with how we were created to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you, to ask yourselves those questions. If you're finding you're just wrestling or you're like on a loop, you're like, man, I've been circling this thing over and over again. Is there something that you're hanging on to or choosing to give authority in your life to or holding back from God that he needs to be preeminent over? He needs to be supreme over. Because a lot of times, if you find what that is, That's what's holding you back. That's what's causing you angst. 